Everybody. Welcome to the NHL playoffs on the third line plug, Sanscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Join me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jansi. Tim, I got to ask the question right now, how buzzing is the city of Calgary right now? It was incredible, man. The 17th was probably the liveliest it's been in about four, four or five years, definitely since COVID. Just because as soon as they won, it was just happy celebration for, yeah, about the whole Red Mile. <laughs> it was. Now, I do get to ask, man, like, were you a little bit disappointed that you weren't at the parking lot last night when Brady Duchock was throwing out the shirts? A little, yeah. I know. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then Brady, when the Calgary won, Brady had the fan on his shoulder. Like, yeah, yeah. Sure. So Yeah, good. no, I had to get stuff done at home so I couldn't go down to the Red Mile. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, that couldn't happen to him. But we are going to be talking about that series tonight, as well as the entire first round of the playoffs. Now, we've got a fully loaded episode, Tim, so let's jump right into this. First of all, let's talk about the first round as a whole, because honestly, coming into this first round, I think the word that you could have described it early on, blowouts. Because it was like blowout after blowout after blowout. And then this year, and then all the series started to shift the other way, where you're getting, you're not getting sweeps. You're going into seventh games. It was, a, it was a fun first round. Yeah, well, it was a very, very interesting. And with the exception of uh, the Colorado series, every series was a back and forth. We got five game sevens, which is unheard of, including three game sevens on on uh, that Saturday night, the fifth, sorry, the fourteenth there, and. All of them were worth full admission. Oh, 100%, man, 100%. And of course, you know, I was watching some of the ticket prices for those games. And even in the States, they were pretty pricey. And they're going to get worse from here. Well, I remember Chelsea and I were talking about the Battle of Edmonton, which we will be getting starting on the 17th here. And uh, I would not be surprised if individual tickets in the lower bowl start going for 500, 600, 700, maybe 1,000. I was going to say, that's probably upper bowl, lower bowl. I couldn't even imagine what those are going Yeah. Well, the thing is, is if we even get the opportunity to buy tickets, right? Because oh. that goes to season tickets holders first. It does. It does. Now, I do get asked, because now coming into the second round, will you be going down to the Red Mile at all at any point in the series? Probably after the May long weekend, because uh, Chelsea and I have been preparing for the anime convention where we're going to be doing some panels. And I've learned that video editing for and getting subtitles with the video you're trying to edit, massive fucking pain in the ass. But you got it done. Yeah, I got it done because I learned how to edit video through the command line, like fucking DOS style. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful, Tim. That's beautiful. So, Tim, let's get into talking about these playoff series now given that we are a west coast based podcast it's only fitting we start in the western conference the number one seed colorado avalanche versus the second wild cards nashville predators this is the first playoff series between these two but since 2018 now you and i both had colorado in five 
sorry, you had Colorado in five. I had Colorado in seven. And I got to tell you, there's only one clip that perfectly summed up that series. I already know what it is. <laughs> did anybody see a sweep? Apparently a decent amount of people did see a sweep. And once it, once we knew that UC Saros wasn't going to be playing, the sweep was confirmed because, wow, David Riddick looked bad. Never do I ever declare a series over before it started. But you know what? That first period of game one, the series was over. When the when Colorado went up 5 nothing, and that I was just like, um, what? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, one of the newer hockey analytic uh, guys, Jay Fresh, he took a fan poll and then did it with his uh, series projections to see uh, – if the wisdom of the crowds kind of matched up with uh, his model predictions as a form of model validation. And here's his distribution for the wisdom of the crowds around Colorado versus Nashville, Nashville in four, 0% Nashville in five, 0% Nashville in six, 1% Nashville in seven, 1% Colorado in seven, 2% Colorado in six, 13% Colorado in five, 48% Colorado and four, the remaining 35% of the sample. So most people were calling a shit kicking. And then once UC Saros was injured, that was locked right in. Yeah. It's a shame because, you know, you got to give props to Nashville for fighting their way into the playoffs like they did. But I, I understand that you want to, you want to look at David Reddick in this one, but where was the rest of the team? Did really anybody show up in that series for Nashville? Not really. Not even really Roman Yossi. No. And it's a shame, right? Because Roman Yossi had, what, 85, 90, 95 points this year? Didn't even show up? Yeah. And it's just really sad. Yeah. And we, and we can't forget that this is the first time Matthew Shane has played against Colorado in the playoffs, too. Honestly, Matt Duchesne looked all right. It was just, it, he was on an island. But to be fair to David Riddick, he was not the worst goaltender in these playoffs. Because no, no as we'll talk about in the Pittsburgh, New York Island, sorry, New York Rangers series, Louis Domingue made his way into the playoffs. Oh boy. Louis Domingue. The only thing I could really say about this is before we head off to Minnesota, St. Louis is Colorado's jerseys, man. Chef's kiss. Oh yeah. If you're dominating, you got to look good. Right. And I mean, Colorado dominated. That's all you can say. The number two seeded Minnesota wild versus the number four seeded St. Louis blues is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2017. Now, Tim, once again, like Colorado, you and I both had the same team as we had Minnesota. I had them in six. You had them in seven. St. Louis in six. Yeah. And this was a really weird series where both of the goalies were kind of awful. It's just Minnesota couldn't really convert their very strong territorial play into pucks in net. It was just very odd to watch because Minnesota just kept taking these really questionable shots from the edge that just never went anywhere with the exception of one man. Kirill Kaprizov had a fucking series. I mean, that game too, when he scored that hat trick, I mean, he looked fantastic. Oh yeah. But we also can't forget that Joel Erickson Eck also looked really good in the series too. Oh he, yeah. It was like a coming out party for him. Yeah. And you know, what's funny, Tim is that St. Louis was a team that everybody kind of slept on it. You and I both, like we both slept on the, on the blues, but you got to give it up to guys like David Prawn and the reemergence of Vladimir Tarasenko in this series, because yeah. that's what got them to the second round right there. Yeah, totally. Oh, I found seats in the lower bowl for under a thousand dollars. Oh, for Calgary Edmonton. Yeah crazy nice yeah i'm not buying them they're 800 each but that's true like that's insanity but uh anyway yeah no like the blues the blues veterans 
sure, they didn't carry they didn't carry the territorial play, but they showed that they were able to continue to counterattack. And they were able to really put the screws to Minnesota. And it also didn't help that neither Marc-Andre Fleury nor Camp Talbot were there. No, and it's unfortunate, right? But then again, how much of this do you think is Marc-Andre Fleury's just had all of that time and, you know, he's played so much in the playoffs over the last several years between both Pittsburgh and Vegas that how much do you think really just wore him down in the end? Yeah, like, it's really tough. Most people actually, like, it was weird because, like, St. Louis's goalie goaltending did just get better as that series went on while yeah, Flurry started to fall apart, and then Cam Talbot just had a brutal game. Yeah, and it's one of these things because of all the series in the playoffs, this is the one I followed the least. So for me, I I just don't have too much to say. I didn't get a chance to watch every condensed version of these games because I work afternoons, but some of them I did watch. And yeah, I, I really I can't say too too much about this series, but the next series we got to talk about. The number three seeded Calgary Flames versus the number the first wild card Dallas Stars. This is the first playoff series between the teams since 2020. Once again, you and I both had the same team. You had Calgary in six. I had Calgary in five. Calgary in seven. Two words. Jake Ottinger. Jake Ottinger. Well, that's the thing is this is how. Dallas made it to the playoffs in the first place is Jake Ottinger basically turned every game into a fucking coin flip. It was, are you going to beat him today? Or is Dallas going to slide by on a one, nothing two one win margin. And that's what happened every freaking game this season. Jake Ottinger probably, he stole every game. He probably stole about 12 goals. And it's incredible because it completely overshadows the fact that Markstrom had a really good series too. Yeah. I mean, I have this in my notes. I mean, the guy didn't post a save percentage worse than 335. I do have in my notes here, like game four, I thought was probably the best display of goaltending we'll see in the playoffs. Then game seven happened. I don't think you will ever see a playoff performance like that where he ends up losing. Yeah. Well, what's incredible is just watching the quality of saves that Ottinger was making and the fact that they got Calgary got to 60 shots on net in one overtime like the 60 it took remember it took the winning tampa bay lightning almost five overtimes to get that sort of shot yield on jonas corpisalo jake otinger saw almost that many shots through fucking regulation including a 25 shot period including quite possibly the best game of eric debranson's career 100 percent. and i mean going back to that fourth game and I mean, you got to think about it, man. 50 saves, 0.943 save percentage. Dallas lost 4-1. I was at Katrina's place watching this game, and the save he made on Tyler DeFoley, her and I both thought it was in. I was like, uh, my brain just hurts trying to comprehend that he stopped that. Well, it's like the fact there was a series in game seven overtime. There is a sequence where both – I both Kachuk and Gaudreau get 10 alarm chances back to back where like Ottinger like spins around, kicks one save, kicks out the rebound right to Kachuk, empty net, and Ottinger manages to throw himself, get it with the stick. And Roberto Luongo tweets out, that's not natural. No. And like, that was incredible. He's like, by most models that I've seen, Ottinger stole three goals that game. At least. Easy. Easy. I mean, I got to say, though, like, honestly, even watching the game last night, game seven, I was just thinking about stuff. I'm like, part of it was even just like, Dallas is going to somehow win this. They're going to end up winning this. And my first thought was if Dallas goes to round two, everybody's money is on Jake Ottinger for Smythe's trophy winner. I mean, even in this series, you have to, you really have to consider Jake Ottinger for the Vesnia. Easy. I don't know if he can though, because the Vezin is only for the regular season though, but SpongeBob text, the playoff performance always influences Vesnia voting. Like always it's an unstated rule. And to be fair, Ottinger's 
save percentage through the regular season it and his advanced stats through the regular season is are equally absurd. It this is, is a, just the first time that we noticed him. It really is. But you know what, though? You watch this series, and the first thought of my mind was like, that Dallas team looked terrible. Jamie Benn, where the fuck was he the entire series? The where was nowhere. in the entire series? Where was any of these guys on that team in that series? Well, outside, outside of Rupe, the Rupe Hints line with Hints, um, like they are, yeah, it's just that team. It's Hints, Pavelski, and Robertson are the stars' offense. Yeah, and I actually, I got to give Pavelski that he actually didn't play too bad in that series. Like it's incredible how well like Pavelski has aged. It really is. The guy really has. Now, when talking about this series, for myself, and I want to talk about Calgary for a second, because there really isn't really any Calgary Flame I want to single out for this series, because overall, Calgary just looked good all around. Yeah, like they curb stomped Dallas. Like there wasn't a game where the flow of play was close at all, except maybe game six. Yeah, and I can't even stress this enough. Even their fourth line, which had, what, Milan Lucic, Trevor Lewis, and somebody else? Sean Monaghan. Monaghan wasn't even in the series. Oh, yeah, he got pulled. <laughs> My first thought was, like, this is a team. I I, I know Katrina's going to love this, but even Capranson, I didn't think, played bad. Capranson has been surprisingly good oh, in no, Calgary no, this no. year. I, I'm fully aware of that. I never hear the end of that. It's like the one year of his career where he has been passable. Now, the only thing I could really talk about the series from last night, Tim, is you know, and I know, we are fans of the Ottawa Senators. Of course. The Ottawa Senators captain is Brady DeChuck. Yes. The brother of Matthew DeChuck, who plays for Calgary. Brady DeChuck was at the game last night. I got to give Brady this. He was one of the highlights of this series when you see him on the screen because, you know, he's drinking the, I can't remember the light beer, whatever he's drinking. He's talking to his dad and some of the facial expressions he's making. It's cat yeah. shit. But cat even last shit. night, like even that Instagram reel I sent you where when Goudreau scored in overtime and Brady's got the kid on his shoulder <laughs> walking down the aisle, I was like, that is so Brady and I love it. Well, it's like Ottawa's got a real one here, right? It's true. And you know what, though? How can you really hate Brady? That's a, Brady's just such, he's kind of a goofball in that way. You just kind of love him. But he's our goofball. Yep. And we love him. We do. So, Tim, let's head off to the fourth and final series of the Western Conference. The number five seeded Edmonton Oilers versus the number six seed Los Angeles Kings. Now, you know, Tim, I'm talking about in the last couple of series of, you know, first playoff series is 2017, 7, 18, 2020. This is a fucking throwback. The first playoff series between the Los Angeles Kings, Edmonton Oilers, April of 1992. You when were not Gretzky even born yet. Came I was born maybe a few weeks prior before this. Yeah. Like Gretzky was still in the league when this last happened. Gretzky was on the Kings when this happened. Yeah. But, you know, I actually want to talk about LA for a second, Tim, because you know what? If there was ever a team that rep, that reaped the reward of the Vegas Golden Knights collapsing this season, it was Los Angeles. Yeah. And you know what? If there if was any series I felt that there was going to be an upset in the first round, I honestly thought it was going to be LA over Edmonton because, honestly, on paper, LA doesn't have a bad team. The only problem. The only problem is they don't have a McDavid or a Dreisaitl. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is the other thing with LA is Drew Doughty was injured. So like they did, like Drew Doughty has returned to form this season. I still think that like, even with the warts, Edmonton was the stronger team. And Mike Smith is a, Mike Smith is a playoff goalie. But you know, I, I don't know. I think for me, LA I just felt that they looked like they look like a better team that they're giving credit for right now. I would agree with that, but I think Edmonton was still better. No, no, I got that. Yeah. I got that. But I do have a few guys I want to talk about. Now, 
of course, with on third line plug for top of the air this year, we ended up talking about Evander Kane a couple of times this year. Yep. He actually came up big for Edmonton in games two and three in the series. Yeah. And game six too, eh? Evander Kane played very well this season. And well, I guess if you staple anyone to McDavid or Dreisaitl, they're going to look good. But giving giving them like a guy who has over his career been a very good finisher in Evander Kane is just kind of a no-brainer. It really is. It really is. The only problem is that Evander Kane just seemed to fizzle out after that from what I was seeing. I mean, I don't have much to say about Edmonton because I really didn't watch a ton of these of these games. It was the McDavid show. And that's the one guy I do want to talk about because I know that he scored the winner in game seven, which I can't remember the guy who's out. Um, I have follow or Athena CU gave up on the play. Yeah. Well, to be fair on like the game winner, it wasn't even really give, giving up on the play. It's because there was the Cody CC goal that McDavid set up. And it was actually a really nice goal. And then McDavid just burned his way in. Like there, there was nothing Iafalo could have done on that. No. Quick note. I don't know if you saw Trevor Shackle's tweet. I think it was yesterday or this morning. He was talking about, no, I think it was last night. Every team in the playoffs, with the exception of Colorado, has an ex-Ottawa Senator playing on it right now. Yep. And when we get to the East, we're going to talk about a very significant ex-senator. We are. We are, but we're going to get that to that in time. The one guy in the LA Kings I do want to talk about, because honestly, you talk about a guy who, he looked like he was just at the end of, coming to really coming to the end of his career. He didn't look amazing. And then he turned the clock back 10 years. Jonathan Quick. Oh, yeah. And that's just been the story of the season for Los Angeles is Jonathan Quick's great play. And LA's very solid positional play rightfully got them into the playoffs. Like, they they deserve to be there. Yeah, there's no shame in losing that series. No. There really is no shame in this. And it's like, the series was a really good goaltending battle too, where both Quick and Mike Smith played fantastically. Like, if you want to talk about a guy who's turned back, seems like he turned back the clock in this series, Outside of game one, where Mike Smith did Mike Smith things, he was in the zone. So the final note I want to make on this series, Tim, again, I got a harp on Edmonton's third jerseys, those blue with the orange lettering. I'm surprised they wore those. Same. They're no better than their orange ones. I guess. I can't harp this enough, Tim. NHL teams... Please stop using orange and yellow as your primary color. It's not a good look. I mean, depending on the orange and yellows, you sorry, the green and sorry, blues and yellows you pick, it'll look good. No. Like St. Louis looks great. Okay, first of all, that's because blue is their primary color. I'm talking yellow and orange. Uh, okay. Name one team that has a jersey with orange or yellow as their primary color. That's a good look. Philadelphia. The creamsicles are great. I'm not a fan. I'm not crazy about them, to be honest with you. And honestly, the ducks. The ducks oranges look good. Uh, no, I, I I still like I'm I'm the minority, man. I like their home and away jerseys. I don't know. I do like the ducks orange. Um, ooh, what else we got here? Uh, Florida is more of a brown than an orange. And then they have the red dominant. Well, no, that's more of a red. Yeah. That's more of a red. So, Tim, before we get off to the East, do you have any more comments you want to make on the Western Conference Series? It's funny because one of the narratives going into this playoff series, sorry, these playoffs were the West was the weaker division, and it kind of shows. Yeah, and and I think you and I talked about, I don't know if we talked about the last episode or not, but I know I've definitely talked about this work, and I said, like, the West will end up coming out to be Colorado-Calgary, but the East is going to be a bloodbath to the end. Oh, yeah. And these first four series, all of them were bloodbaths. Let's talk about this, Tim. 
It's time to turn our attention for, to the Eastern Conference. The number one seed and President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers versus the second wild card, Washington Capitals. Now, this is the very first playoff series between the two teams. And you and I, once again, both had the Florida Panthers. You had them in five. I had them in seven. Florida won it in six. We've split the difference. Absolutely. Oh, what was our call for Edmonton versus LA? I think if I'm not mistaken, I brought this up. I said, oh, no, I didn't. Sorry. I said LA in six. You said Edmonton in six. Tim wins. So let's talk about the Florida series, Tim. And you know what? This was going to be the series that for me, I was just like, man, this is going to be a good one. Florida's ready. Florida's pumped. Florida's good. Florida lost game one. Florida stumbled out of the gate game one. They looked so bad. As soon as I think game three, I'm thinking, oh, God, no, Washington's not going to win this series, are they? Well, what's incredible about watching that series is Florida were the comeback masters this season where they won about as many games where they started up as they started down. And then they just fucking do it in a seven-game series. And it's interesting because as soon as Florida really got themselves back into what we expect out of the Florida Panthers, Vitacek just gets destroyed. And all of a sudden, it's Samsonov in net. Yeah, and that really was the turning point for me. But another turning point for the Florida Panthers was the big-time emergence Carter Verhage. He came up huge in this series, including that series winner, which I'll admit it was a softie. I mean, of course, but it was going to happen, but that's the thing. And that's why they brought him in from uh, Tampa because they saw what the guy had. And I don't think it's any fluke that this season, last season, Carter Verhage has quietly put together two incredible seasons. And now he's finally showing up on that score sheet. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think really anybody had Carter Verhage leading the Panthers in scoring heading into the second round. I think he probably would have said maybe, I mean, Barkov was obvious, Huberdeau was obvious, maybe an athlete Duclair if all goes well, but I don't think anybody had Verhage. Which is surprising, and I think it's partially because when we first saw Carter Verhage really play in that 2019-2020 very, very stacked Tampa Bay team, he was pretty far down the roster when you consider you've got stamp you have stamkos you have brain point you have kucherov you have uh, the gourd line you had tyler johnson there still so like you you get pretty far down before you get to carter verhage so he was playing fourth line minutes and then all of a sudden in, he goes to florida and in 43 games he's playing 18 minutes a game and he's still killing it and then he looks even better the next year yeah well one guy i didn't think looked amazing in this sergey Bobrovsky. He was up and down. Yeah, honestly, he didn't look amazing to start it, but honestly, I thought he looked better as the series went on. Yeah. And it was just, what's funny is he was very, he played to what you would expect Sergei Bobrovsky to be. And the Florida Panthers had enough firepower to just carry it the rest of the way. And once Florida start really got rolling, there was no stopping them. For sure, man, for sure. It sucks to pay that guy $10 million, though, eh? Yeah, I know. But you know what, though? He did have a bounce-back season this year. He did, of course. But was it $10 million good? No, it was definitely an overpayment. I think because it was the Florida Panthers, he definitely had to overpay. But now that the Panthers are that legit President's Trophy winning team, you look back on it and you're like, oh, that's a regretful jerk. Yeah. That's all right. The number two seeded Carolina Hurricanes versus the six seeded Boston Bruins. This is the first playoff series between the two since 2020. You and I, once again, I mean, I'm looking at these and I think the only two series I think we didn't have the same teams was Edmonton, LA, Rangers, and Pens. You and I both had the Hurricanes in this series. You had them in six and I had them in seven. Yeah. Hurricanes won at seven. This was such a cool series to watch because like every other series where it was like puck fest after puck fest, this one turned into what you would expect a, a like an old 90 style playoff series to be. It was tight checking. The defense was impeccable, which it really sucks that 
Boston's goaltending was subpar. And yeah. that's probably what killed him. It did. And for myself, but the thing is, Tim, even going back to what you're saying about like this is an old school style hockey series, is that honestly the Hurricanes and Bruins have had a history that's dated since the 70s. Yeah. When they were the Hartford Whalers. So honestly, it's nice to see that they have both continues. And it's not the first time they've played against each other in the playoffs. Now, I gotta say, after the first two games of the series, the Hurricanes, like without question, look like the better team. But props yeah. to Boston for digging down and getting themselves into game seven. Well, one thing that helped is they switched out Linus Allmark for Jeremy Swayman. Mm-hmm. And Swayman was much, much better. And that really facilitated the comeback. It did. And it, and it worked, right? Sometimes all you need is a goalie switch. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like the Marsh, like, the perfection line, Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak came to play. Yeah, it's a shame that the rest of the lines didn't. Like, Taylor Hall didn't. Taylor work. Hall was good. The problem is, is you got absolutely fuck all from former Senators Curtis Lazar and Nick Foligno. And, like, the third and fourth lines. If you got anything from them, that would have been the difference. While Cal- sorry, Carolina happily and easily rolled four lines. And yeah. anti-Ranta had a very good series, probably the best goalie in the East. Easy. Yeah. Easy for me. And even like I was thinking, oh, what about Celeski? But I'm thinking, nah. Though that Toronto, Toronto Tampa was a goalie graveyard when we get to it. Yeah. But there's a few players on the Hurricanes I want to talk about. And you know how, again, like we were saying about Vander Kane, another guy that was brought up on top of the air a couple of times this season Tony D'Angelo, who had himself a series, one goal and seven assists. Well, here's the thing. Tony D'Angelo has had himself a redemption season. The guy, it's weird because like the guy has been ex, like an, just an excellent at draw, driving offense. Defense, Tony D'Angelo's problem, obviously, is defense be damned. He's Tyson Berry. He's Tyson Berry. But the difference is, is that D'Angelo plays with Slavin, who is probably one of the best, if not the best, shutdown defenseman in the league. So you, if you pair those two get together, you get one of them. Like one of them is completely covering the other's weakness. And Slavin isn't an offensive black hole. So Tony D'Angelo can go to work. It's like watching Mathon Carlson. Exactly. Like exactly that. But I, I, I think Slavin is better than Mathod ever was, but that's neither here nor there. No, that's fair. That's fair. Now, another guy that I thought came up clutch, especially in that seventh game, was Max Domi. And I actually kind of forgot that Max Domi was a Carolina Hurricane. Well, Max Domi massively underperformed this season until about the last 15 games. Like, he opened the season very weak. And most people just thought it was like, oh, that's the end of the road for Max Domi. But no, he's act- he actually came up clutch in that game seven with two goals. Now, the final guy I want to talk about this is Patrice Bergeron, because there was a lot of talk when the series ended that that game seven was going to be Bergeron's final game in the NHL. And I believe he came out today and confirmed that he's coming back for another year. He's not done. The dude is still absolutely elite at age 36 like one of if not the best territorial players in the nhl at 36 and i love the fact that he the dude still has time well i love the fact he shut down the rumors there today about him potentially joining the montreal canadians because he's saying no i'm not joining them yeah dude's playing for bot dude's finishing his career in boston yeah, I think it would be really interesting if somebody would look up how many ex-Boston Bruins ended up a Montreal Canadian in their career. I, I think there would be quite. I think there would be a, quite a few players. That's fair, but it's like I don't see Bergeron doing it. No, I, I don't see Bergeron doing it. But off the top of my head, I mean, I can't think of too many. Hal Gill is the obvious one for me. Do we count uh, oh, Caberlet? Joe Juno. Joe Juno. Joe Juno. 
I don't think Caberlet counts. No, he played for both. He played for both, but he was like a late pickup for Boston. He yeah. spent most of his career in Toronto, right? Yeah, okay. Although it is kind of funny to think that look to look at the trifecta of teams that Thomas Caberlet played for. You're like, like, he played for them? He played for all three of those rivals? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's insane, man. Actually, I, I gotta, I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot about Thomas Gabriel a little bit. Honestly, fair. Yeah. So, but Tim. No, Bergeron was elite, and we love him. Let's turn our attention to the series. Everybody, I am sure, all of our listeners have wanted us to talk about, and we're going to talk about right now, the number three seeded Toronto Maple Leafs. And the number five seeded Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the very first playoff series between these two. You and I both have the Lightning. You had them in seven. I had them in six. How the fuck Tampa won in seven? I will never know. That series was a fucking garbage fire. Like, I said seven because both these teams are like, they're keyed in. Tampa's, Tampa's not going away. Toronto looks to be in their best form but I'm giving the edge to Vasilevsky. Holy fuck, I got the right result. But man, was I wrong about how to get there. Vasilevsky looked terrible. Jack Campbell was worse. Like, both teams forgot how defense worked, and the leads only changed once. And then in game seven, everyone except Nick Paul forgot what to do. You know, I love the fact that Nick Paul sends the Leafs. Nick Paul sends the Leafs in game seven. Like, it's incredible. But... That that whole series was garbage hockey. Like I, I couldn't watch it. It was so bad. I you want to know what one of the notes I have on my computer, Tim? How the fuck did Toronto not win this series? Tampa was completely gassed throughout it. And it was it wasn't even like very subtle. It was Obvious. obvious. It was obvious that Tampa Bay was gassed. Like Kucherov's Can obviously hurt. Series. Like Kucherov's obviously hurt. Braden Point goes out in Game Seven. Bob Ro- sorry, Vasilevsky's doing a Bobrovsky impression. Like Tampa Bay looks awful. And then there's like five or six games where, for large portions of it, both teams don't show up. Like all these games, it's like, oh, Tampa Bay didn't show up. Oh, Toronto's not showing up. There was a there was like game five, which I don't even know how Toronto won. They just came out and got four shots in a period. I turned that game off because it was so dog shit. Like, is this supposed to be what Premier Hockey is? If that is, put it in a box, send it away, blow up, blow the fuck out of the Scotiabank Arena. That was garbage. Like, what the hell was that? I'm honestly speechless. And this is somebody, and of course, I hate watching the Leafs because watching the Leafs fall flat on their face year after year after year is one of the few joys that I have as a Senators fan. And now we have another thing as a Senators fan we can hold over them. At least the Senators have beaten Tampa in the first round. As we've beaten Montreal in the first round. We've beaten Boston in the first round. We've won the President's Trophy. We've gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. And we're the other Ontario team? And then you see people like, oh, you got to run it back. They were good in the regular season. That doesn't fucking count if this team doesn't know how to pull the head out of their own asshole. And you can't afford a goddamn goalie because you have $7 million to spend on eight roster slots next year. Because nobody's taking Mrazek. And Tavares is just going to get more and more useless as he looked absolutely fucking horrendous. Morgan Riley's getting to 30 and guys still can't play defense. Never going to figure it out. Like even in a series where people are complaining about the refing, the refing compared to previous years playoffs was fantastic. Like the refing was the refs did not swallow the whistles. Penalties were called most of the time where they should have been. There's a few exceptions you can probably argue about, but picking is, picking is against the rules in the National Hockey League. You call that Mr. Hall. But no, this is a series that Toronto should have won. This is their, was their best chance at winning, and they give us that? Here's the thing. 
Austin Matthews deserves to be absolutely fucking livid. Mm-hmm. Marner deserves to be fucking livid. Those two guys left absolutely fucking everything on the ice. And the rest of the team could not give a shit. At what point does Austin Matthews just throw his hands in the air and just say, I'm done? Like, I don't think he will because like he he seems like a, a guy who understands what his role is in the NHL. But like, this can't be good. Six years of embarrassing losses in a row? No, it's... Um, or is it seven now? Six. Oh, it's six. Yeah, it's six. It set a fucking record. 19, the loss in the first round. 20, they didn't make the playoffs. 21, the loss to Montreal. Right. 22, 20 fucking... 21, 2021, 2022. Like, yeah, no. Like, Aston Matthews, is pro- he's going to live out his contract with Toronto, and then he's UFA. We'll yeah. see what he does. Does he go back to Arizona? Does he stay with Toronto? That remains to be seen. Here's the thing. He's got two years left. Yep. Keep this in mind. Austin Matthews, who just came off scoring 60 goals this season, the first time anyone scored 60 since Steven Stamkos. And he's going to be a free agent in two years. Yep. Toronto's not going to be able to keep him. Well, we'll see. Well, the unless thing you is- want to what? Unless you want to what? Move Marner or move Nylander or you want to do something with Tavares? Tavares is a full NMC. You and no team's going to take $11 million for a 34 year old who can't even skate at 30. Like, here's the thing like, looking into at next year, they have $7 million of cap space and they have to re sign Jack Campbell. They have to find two more defensemen because Gio and Labushkin are gone. They have to fill in at least one or two more forward spots. They will probably have to get rid of one of either Andre Cass or David Camp and prop if they can even retain Engvall. Does Mikheyev is UFA? Does he come back? Like Dubas has made a mess. You know and what? I don't think sh- I'm, I'm not convinced Sheldon Keefe is a good coach either. Like you got to come at some point. That Kyle because- Dubas and Sheldon Keefe are both gone. Yeah, you well, cannot have a six straight year of not even getting out of the first round. It's time for the Leafs to clean to do something about this. Well, yeah. The other thing is, is like Mrazek has a no trade list, and I think it's actually a full MNTC until twenty twenty three, where it becomes a ten team and MNTC. He's not, they're not going to be able to get rid of him. And that's $4 million for a guy who's washed. You know what? As a Senators fan, I'm overjoyed. As a hockey fan, I am so beyond a fucking offended. How the fuck is this? This team has all this talent and they can't do shit with it. Oh yeah, and Morgan Riley's contract goes up by two and a half million. I I I'm a I'm at a loss for words because the other thing is like they did manage to find some interesting pieces. Like they brought like Giordano was a fantastic pickup. Like that was a steal of a trade. I can't believe I can't believe Seattle did that, to be honest. And like there's just so many unforced fucking errors. Like they weren't able to get Hall to waive his modified no trade list. So they had to protect him, which meant they lost Jared McCann. There's just so many Rasmus Sandin. They're going to have, he's, he's due. He's going to get money. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he get, he gets offer sheeted. You know, this is just one of these things where like for Leafs fans, what do they say at this point? Run it. You if you're Dom, run it back. You can't blame it on an injury because your roster was healthy. You can't blame it on goal scoring because your guys were scoring. So what's your excuse now? Yeah. It's, I, I don't even know, man. And you know the thing what? is, is they don't, they're missing their second, third round picks this year. They, they have three draft picks this year. And one of them is a seventh. 
And you know what? After the Florida Panthers won their series on Friday night, the Toronto Maple Leafs now hold the record. They hold two records, by the way. Yeah. The longest Stanley Cup drought. And now they hold the record for the longest playoff series win drought at 18 years. They haven't won a playoff series since you and I were in sixth grade. The last time that they won a playoff series, they beat Ottawa. In the last lockout, in the most recent time, the Sens and the Leafs have played in the playoffs. Yeah, like that's that's ridiculous. Like, what the fuck do you do? And here's this, and I I know I've been making fun of Dom Lukushkin a lot, but here's the thing: his models got fucked this playoff series, and they were we they were wonky this season, even and like for. A bit of the season, he was down on his betting. And it, people are like, he's like making fun of anyone who questions if the models are well built because he has the lowest log loss. But here's the thing it's a Bayesian based model, which means that your, your success condition is if your probability distribution in your generated posterior distribution matches what actually occurs. Because what's happening is you're taking your prior beliefs, taking date existing data uh, of results and matching th- inputs you think are important to generate a posterior distribution. That's a mix of your theory and your data to get a result. If your posterior distribution is continuously far away from the actual distribution, there's something wrong with your model. And like, that's happening a lot. Like a lot of things, like this model constantly, constantly, constantly overvalues the lease, overvalues Minnesota, underweight St. Louis, and usually undersells Boston. And it keeps getting screwed year after year after year. Like what inputs are causing? Well, the other problem is machine learning models are, they're correlative. It's a black box. You cannot with any confidence talk about causality here. But it's like, I don't, I have to read his white paper to figure out what exactly he's doing. Because I have a feeling that the private models that are actually used in the hockey industry for analytics are probably blowing his out of the water. Because the teams aren't making the types of mistakes that his model continuously makes. You know, the only note I want to make here, Tim, before we head off into the Rangers and Penn's game, I'm sorry, the Rangers and Penn's series, Game six. Tampa Bay was down 3-2 in the series. Yep. In Tampa Bay. Game goes to overtime. I'm at work when this is happening. Okay. So I've got the phone. I don't have, I have my phone on me, has the game. It's hooked up to the sound system in our building. Yeah. So I have the game playing. I'm in the washroom taking a leak. I put the phone up against the surface. <laughs> There's a little thing that kind of yeah. held it at an angle. So I'm taking a leak watching the game. When Tampa Bay scored, thankfully I was done by this point. Yeah. By the time they scored, I was in the washroom and all you hear is, yes, bolts in seven, let's go. And I'm banging on the wall. I didn't realize there was somebody outside <laughs> the door and that's, they scared the shit out of them. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm walking around like, yeah, that's incredible. Fuck you, Toronto. And then that seventh game, I'm watching it on my phone and I'm just like, uh, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy right now. Well, it's so weird because it was like watching that. It was like you could tell Matthews and Marners if they could get the damn puck, if their the team's formation would let the puck get to them, where Tampa was pushing it to the walls, they probably would have had a good chance of scoring in that six on that extended six on five, right? But it Tavares kept getting beat and it was bad. So it's like, yeah, I hate the fact that two of the best players in the league are stuck on this team that is a cursed B seems to be misbuilt like free Matthews free. And like Marner, here's the thing last year. I was like, man, Marner's cooked. Like something's in his head. Whatever's going on. Marner's head is done. The guy had a phenomenal series. Like, Kevin Harner and Matthews on good teams. Please. You know, this is one of these things where, and honestly, I've, I'm just thinking about the last several years when they lost to Washington. 
okay, understandable. They're a young team. First time they made the playoffs in, I don't know how many, six, seven years, 18. Okay, you lost to Boston. 19, oh, shit, okay, you lost to Boston again. 2020. You lost to fucking Columbus You didn't after, even make the playoffs. After Pan, like, remember, this is, this is the Columbus Blue Jackets that did not have Antemi Pereira or Sergei Bobrovsky. This was not the we swept Tampa Bay Columbus. This is the the this is, this the, is the this after is the shadow. Yeah. Neutered Blue Jackets. And you and you lost to them in a three-game play-in series. Sorry, a five-game play-in series. Where Tavares hit the post. Where Tavares hit the post. That is, but it shouldn't have come to that. But here's the thing. It and shouldn't then, have fucking come to that. Last year, you they were playing a team that were Four games above 500. You should have easily taken Montreal down. Like, sure, Tavares was injured, but Tavares hasn't been, shouldn't be a linchpin. But that was all, like, Nylander had a bad series. Austin Matthews was inconsistent. That series was just rough for everyone. And now. What the fuck? And now they lose to a gassed, Tampa Bay team. What's left for Toronto to do now? What's going to happen in 2023 when they make the playoffs? Are they going to play Ottawa and get beaten by them? Please don't curse us. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. (laughs) What happens next? Because, like, I don't even think they... Well, here's the thing about Team Run It Back. I think they're right. Because what the fuck else are they going to do? I mean, you can go after Barry Trotz if you fire Sheldon Keefe. Obviously, the Suns marketing director clearly wants that to happen. But but seriously, if you only have, as you said, $7 million in cap space next year. Yeah, for seven or eight slots to fill. Because I don't think they're going to, if they run Mrazic Calgren, that's going to be a fucking disaster as your goalie tandem. So they have to find a way to bring back Jack Campbell. Yeah. But they might be able to get Jack, but I don't think they're going to get Jack Campbell at 1.5 again. No, he's going to be a UFA. like three. Like he's UFA. He's going to ask for three or more and someone's going to pay him that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have, you have four to $5 million for the other slots. Like, I guess you can find you might be able to sign Colin Blackwell again for under a million. Does Jason Spezza come back? I don't know. Yeah, Spez might just call it a career at this point. Like you're not getting Labushkin back for one point three. No. So uh, do you sign like Josh Brown or something? Like what? What do you do? You're gonna have to try and trade one of the big four. Either. Yeah, or you... Lander seems to be like the one that everybody in Toronto wants gone. Well, here's the other thing, Tay. You... I don't... Toronto does not really have the resources to send someone to Arizona. Because they don't... This year and next year, they don't have a second rounder. And I don't think they're going to trade a first to get... To send, like, someone to Arizona, especially if that someone might not accept the trade. What's incredible is like Marner, Nylander, and Matthews, and even Kerfoot don't have any sort of trade protection. It's just Tavares. And Tavares is probably the one you have to get rid of because like he was, he faltered bad over the last two years. So let's talk about the final playoff series. The fourth seeded New York Rangers versus the seventh seeded Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, this is the first playoff series between the two teams since 2016. And this is one of the few series that you and I didn't have the same team on. You had the New York Rangers in seven games, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and that I had the Pittsburgh Penguins six games because I honestly thought that the series could have gone either way. I didn't really, I didn't know who was going to come out on top. And the Rangers came out in seven. They shouldn't have. Don't know how, but they did. They're the, Ranger, up. the Rangers looked so 
it was weird. They looked absolutely dominant game one. I was like, oh, I got this in the fucking bag. Sorry, uh, sorry. In the first period of game one, they looked absolutely dominant. And then all of a sudden, Sidney Crosby was like, you know what? No. And the series was forever changed. And then Casey DeSmith was injured. So all of a sudden, we got Louis Domingue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that was the edge that that series turned on because, wow, was New York bad. Yeah. And like, you know again, how I said that I didn't really even watch. I didn't even really follow much of this series. You know how I said like Tampa Toronto was unwatchable. This was only watch like passively watchable because Sidney Crosby was doing Sidney Crosby things. And Igor Shatterskin, besides some wobbly gains in the middle there, stole a series for the Rangers. Is Sidney Crosby essentially becoming like the NHL's version of the Undertaker? He's just becoming the immortal one. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, this is a series that really could have gone either way at the beginning because honestly, the Rangers have the big guns. Pittsburgh still has Crosby. Pittsburgh still has Carter, Malkin. Chris Letang looked pretty decent at times. But yeah. It was such a weird series too because like it was Mika Zibetajad, first five games, I sleep. Game seven, I wake. And all of a sudden, he went from like completely ineffectual to absolutely dominant. It was bizarre. And then over time, Tristan Jari played a very good game too, eh? Mm-hmm. And like, I do feel bad for the guy. Like, had Tristan Jari been healthy, he probably would have redeemed himself for last year. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these playoff series at all. There was some very, very good hockey in here, and there was some absolute dog shit. There was. Now, we just wrapped up our first round recap of the 2022 NHL playoffs, which can mean only one thing. We got to talk about the second round predictions. Now, before we do that, Tim, we're actually going to take a really quick break, and we will return, and we will give our predictions for round two. Coming right back. Nice. Hey guys, this is Ian Mendes from The Athletic, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. All right, we are back. Now, Tim, we just spent probably over an hour talking about the first round, and we just gave our recap. And now it's time to give our predictions for the second round of the 2022 NHL playoffs. And once again, we're going to start off in the Western Conference, the number one seeded Colorado Avalanche versus the fourth seeded St. Louis Blues. This is the second straight year that these two teams will play each other. And for myself, I have the Colorado Avalanche in six games to head to the Western Conference Finals. Yep. And I have Colorado in five, but honestly, who knows with St. Louis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Bennington couldn't just come out and stand on his head again and uh colorado has the second round version of what the leafs are going through they do and you know what you got to get colorado like they are very well rested after that sweep of nashville and have the firepower to get through st louis i think for me though the blues they're not going to go down easy no st louis is not built to go down easy and i think for myself the games will be decided by at least one goal and i think there will be some overtime the big thing I guess the big thing that I'm thinking with St. Louis, that'll be a problem for them. They're missing like half their defense core. Colton Perico can only do so much. Is he the one that Chelsea went to middle school with? Yes. He's also the one that's not injured. I think we've mentioned that on the podcast. Haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah, okay. Wasn't too sure. But no, no, that's right. We mentioned that during the bubble year. Yeah. That's right. We mentioned that during the bubble. Yeah, year. because I found that. Uh, I found that uh, yearbook in her parents' storage locker. <laughs> it said Colton Perico, and I'm like, wait, what? Colton Perico? You mean the, the guy who plays the St. Louis Blues, Colton Perico? She's, and Chelsea's like, I don't know. I just remember being, like, blonde. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That is hilarious, man. The third-seeded Calgary Flames versus the number five seed Edmonton Oilers, the very first Battle of Alberta playoff series since 1991. Flames are going to win this in seven games, Tim. Flames in seven. 
because I'm, I have to be at least a new city homer and I want seven games of battle Alberta. There's no analysis here. This is just what Tim wants. And I want seven absolutely daggers out games of hockey. You know what though, Tim, and I was going to say, I was going to say the next series we're going to talk about, probably the most exciting series we're going to talk about the battle of Alberta. This is going to be the most tense, hard hitting hatred filled series. We're going to see in this playoffs. Oh yeah. Well, I, I think Edmonton has not forgotten when Calgary put nine up on them and the arena DJ started playing Dolly Parton. Yeah. And Calgary, to five. and Calgary has not forgotten about the 1980s. No. So this is going to be, this is going to be a no love loss series. And you have two big, big game goaltenders in Mike Smith and uh, Jacob Markstrom. This is going to be all-star hockey. The question, like the thing is, is I think the Flames are the deeper team, but does that matter when you're playing against McDavid and Dreisaitl? And you know what? You look at both teams and you're like, wow, this is going to be a great series. Because like you said, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Matthew DeChuck, Johnny Goudreau, just Tyler Toffoli, Toffoli. Mr. Playoff himself. Like, holy shit. Andrew Mangiapane. Like, Oliver Shillington. Oliver Shillington. Noah Hannafin. Oh, my God. Like, the star power in this season. And, like, Darnell Nurse, too, eh? Like, I know we're at this point we're just saying man names, but it's a star-studded affair, right? Yeah, this is not a series that we're going to be taking lightly. No. And, like, I can see why, like, press level tickets for the series are like 200 bucks easy oh yeah easy now tim the reason why i was very hesitant to say that this is going to be the best series because we've got to turn attention to the eastern conference the series we have prayed and we have hoped for is finally coming true the second straight sunshine state showdown the number one seeded florida panthers was the number five seed Tampa bay lightning the Florida Panthers are going to take this in five games, Tim. I think it's going to be Florida in six because, sure, Tampa is banged up and looked absolutely terrible against Toronto, but it's still the Tampa Bay Lightning. You have to respect them. Oh, totally. Totally. And you know what? This is going to be the reason why I'm saying Florida in five, Tampa's going to be completely out of gas. They looked gas versus Toronto. How do you think they're going to play against Florida? A team that has, like I said, Barkov, Huberdo, um, Duclair, Claude Giroux, who's a what a third liner on this team? Aaron Ekblad, Mackenzie Weaker, Connor Vahagi. Like, is Aaron Ekblad even back? Ekblad's back. Like, what the hell is this team? And even Ben Sherratt hasn't been terrible. Like, this team should not exist, but here we are. Like, this team is horrifying. Yeah. And, like, sure, you'll get a lead on them, but that doesn't matter because they'll just drop six on you. Honestly, yeah. Battle of Alberta and the Sunshine State Showdown. This is what the playoffs has been built for. Yeah. And we're here for that. Oh, and Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight as a tandem. Like Vasilevsky is going to have to play out of his mind in this series. He is. He absolutely is. But I mean, you know what, though? The Tampa Bay Lightning, they're going to find ways to win. Yeah. That's all I can say. Now, the finalist playoff series in the second round, the number two seeded Carolina Hurricanes versus the number four seeded New York Rangers. I got Carolina in five games. I have Carolina in six because Igor Shutterskin can steal games. But, wow, New York looked really bad against Pittsburgh, and Carolina is deeper. Yeah, and that was really the only note I have. I mean, honestly, is that Carolina has a really good defense and a really strong supporting cast up front. The big factor for me is going to be in goal. Like you said, is Chernikin or uh, what's his name? Shesterkin. 
Thank you. I, I gotta, I gotta eventually learn these guys' names, Tim. You know, yeah. and I, I, I'm really bad in after five years. But no, there's a signing factor is really gonna be in goal because Anti Ratna, he's gonna be in if by in some chance Frederick Anderson comes back. Don't know if it's gonna be happening, but you gotta go with the hot hand. And uh, Peter Kochekov has been more than capable in replacement if Anti Ranta goes down again. Yeah. So honestly, as the Eastern Western Conference Finals are looking, Florida, Carolina, Colorado, Calgary. That's going to be hella hockey. It is, man. It is. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on this episode before we head off into the close? This has been a very weird first round. It has, man. I want to see a. I do want to see a more offensive second round, though. I do want to make one comment before we make, though, Tim, because it's been a couple of weeks since we've last recorded. It's really good to be back. It is. I do have fun doing the playoff episodes. Me too. And believe me, we're going to have some more coming up, and our listeners are going to enjoy them. Hell yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plugs, our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 91 Badger at MacGreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E-Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the first ha- the first round recap slash second round predictions, choose an email. Third Plus Sense Guys at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Tim Gibson. And this has been Tim Jancy. Go Sense Guys. Woo! Say it.